You're listening to local programming produced in KUNV Studios. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Hey, this is Ruben with the City of Stars podcast. Here, I'm interviewing up-and-coming artists in the Las Vegas music scene. Let's get into today's episode. Yeah, so now I'm a poet rather than someone who just journals. Yeah, so how was that transition for you? You went from like just private writing in your journals, and now you're like sharing it with people at open mics. Yeah, uh... It was interesting. Like, I I never thought anyone (laughs) would care about, like, that stuff. Uh, Like, I have a background in journalism. That's what I have a bachelor's in. I'm on hiatus from it because I burnt myself out way too hard. Really? Um, Yeah, I just, I just, it's going to be a minute before I can go back and uh, enjoy that field, (laughs) I think. It was just college, yeah. Trying to running through college to graduate on time so that I can start making money and, and survive because um, a bunch of personal finances started collapsing at the same time. Um, and then also trying to work jobs alongside that just ended up breaking my love for uh, journalistic tendencies, I guess. Wow. So would you get back into journalism? I think so. I think I definitely will. Maybe like as soon as the end of this year, <laughs> I I don't know. It's it's something I definitely care about. It's something that uh I think is of real value to people. Um and can have a huge positive impact. Uh accidentally I've found that I might be able to make similar impacts with like my my poetry. Yes, well that would, you beat me to the punch. So how's poetry then been? I think it actually ties ties in with um what I learned doing journalism in a, in a, in a few ways, like uh, a lot of the techniques I learned to create creative and engaging journalistic pieces um, have kind of wormed their way into the way I've been writing privately for myself. Okay. Um, and I think when I brought that to an open mic, it accidentally turned out to be really good. <laughs> wow. Well, what kind of things are like worming out into your poetry? Uh, like journal, I I think there's this pattern uh, in my journalistic writing where I would like jump from A story to B story, uh, where A story is a little bit more personal, and then B story is a little bit about the wider concept. So, like if you were doing a story on climate change, you might talk about like a family affected by some weather event as an A story, and then like the overall <laughs> climate and what's going on in the region or the country as a B story. Um, So I kind of do that with poetry where like the A story is a specific event and then the B story is usually how it relates to my overall like psyche or my experiences in the world. Wow. What kind of poetry are you writing? What kind of themes and stuff? I I don't, I'm not really like an academic poet. It's not something I really know a lot about. Um, I know I tend to write more prose than, than like, I tend to write like prose type poetry or maybe sometimes even free verse, um, rather than, 
I don't even know what to call it. That's yeah, that's, yeah, that's, no, that's no, no. I'm like uh, that's cool. I'm like an outlaw poet or something. I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, but I want I want to make like engaging things. Um, mm-hmm. I consider myself like a, a working class revolutionary in a lot of ways, and that feels like a dorky fucking thing to say, but I mean it. Yeah. <laughs> like well, I I want to change the world and. Well, what does that mean for you being a a working class revolution? Uh, like, like I have to wake up and work for the employing class, basically. Um, okay. That that's that's like the divide between working class and employed, and and that those those in my mind is like that in my mind is the um biggest socioeconomic divide is whether you're part of the employing class. Or whether you're part of the working class. Um, what, what separates the two for you? So the employing class would be like a business owner or somebody who uses and exploits the labor of workers. Um, okay. So like if you work for somebody who owns a Starbucks, the Starbucks owner is like the employing class. Everyone he hires to profit from that venture is the working class but we might be getting too far into (laughs) something other than art well no because art reflects your beliefs you know yeah and i I feel like um i want that to be central in a lot of my uh work not just um like class struggle and economic revolution but um social issues as well like like i may um I'm a trans feminine Persian. Uh, my dad uh, only came to this country because of a revolution in Iran that was caused by the CIA. It's a whole long, whole long thing, but uh, like politics is kind of baked into my existence um, uh, in a lot of ways because everything about my existence has been politicized. So, so it's like. Would you say maybe your poetry does kind of like help you understand that? Yeah, it definitely, it definitely, um, I feel like when I was writing privately, what I was writing was mostly to help me understand, um, myself and the ways I'd be interacting with the world. Oh, okay. Uh, I think one of the first pieces I, I read in, into a microphone was, um, when I started writing this, I was pulling splinters out of my hand. Uh, and it's, it starts off just me asking, why don't I wear gloves? Like, why do I forget to protect myself when I'm working um, in manual labor? Uh, but I relate it to other ways that I refuse to avoid pain and harm. And uh, what pain overall means for existence and how it informs us and why it matters to be able to hurt uh and i really just wrote that to understand like that tendency in myself and encourage myself towards it more so yeah, yeah so <laughs> very self-discovery no, no, selfish stuff. now you're sharing it with people what are people saying about it I try not to think too much because people tend not to say everything they 
feel and mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I, I just see like the tip of the iceberg sometimes, I end up overthinking, oh, what do they mean by this and this oh, and this okay. and this? Um, but generally they 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 like it's rawness. I like to I like to say visceral because <laughs> that's a fun word. Um and I feel like a lot of my writing is very raw. It's 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 unrefined when it doesn't need to be over refined. Okay. Is is how I feel about well, it. Well, that kind of makes sense because you said before you got the free verse. So you're not really mm-hmm. restricted by rules or structures or formats. Yeah, I literally do whatever I feel yeah, like. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. That's more, um, you know, now with poetry, it's in that the modern poetry. It's so much not about the rhyming and meter yeah very floral like structured and and sometimes using words that like you don't know that word you 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 look through a thesaurus for that and that's fine but when every single word is a thesaurusly found word yeah i like it i like it more because it feels more relatable yeah you know i i feel like when i read the poetry i'm like you know what I can't think that sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because back then it's all like, like nature. I love nature, but yeah, you know, after a while it gets a little boring. But I love, you know, with poetry, no longer it's no longer being restricted, restricted by rules and stuff. So they're exploring all kinds of stuff. Maybe back then you just want to think of, or how do you rhyme this? Yeah. Now you kind of like, I'm just going to write about it. I'm just going to do whatever I want, yeah. yeah. And, you know, with you, with your poetry, it sounds like you want want to do something bigger with it. You know what I mean? Is that, well, am I understanding? Yeah, I'd, 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 I definitely don't want to make art just to make, like, pretty art or to entertain people. Mm-hmm. I, I want to make, like... Like I try, I try not to be gatekeepy about it, but when I when I look at like a movie or a book or something, I I automatically separate it as okay, this is like art entertainment, or this is like true art. Um, and what I consider like true art is 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 stuff that you can tell came from someone or someone's like multiple people can can contribute to true art. Like there's a lot of fucking movies. There's a lot of movies that are just magic. Um, and you can tell that like people's souls went into it. Oh, okay. um, and when you watch it, you experience that and it changes you. And fundamentally, I feel like if art doesn't change you, then it's not real art. <laughs> so you're saying art that moves people beyond yeah. like, oh, that was a good movie. Almost like that whole Carthus process, you know, if I ever saw it. <laughs> explaining how ours should we should become different people after it yeah i mean that's kind of the best way he said it and you know i'm so fascinated you know you said before politics has always been in your life right Mm -hmm. you've been exposed to it you understand it you live it firsthand and now your poetry is like adding a voice to it I want to understand more about your voice. Like, what are you saying about the politics around you? Ooh, I'm saying a lot of things. Um, do you want me to read any of my poetry yeah. at some point? Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll maybe, maybe I'll like think of one or two that is good to be emblematic of something. Um, what am I saying? I feel like a lot. Kind of what I said about true art being pulled out of someone's soul and fashions so that it can affect yours. Um, I feel I feel like a lot of what I say is just. This is this is a moment that I've experienced, mm-hmm. and I and I'm gonna capture it in amber. And I'm gonna pass it to you, and you can chew on it. And hopefully, when you digest it, you'll understand what that experience meant to me and how it affected my life. And mm. hopefully, you'll come out seeing how we're similar, and how I want people to be more compassionate. Yeah, well, I was asking that. <laughs> Basically. What are you kind of hoping for in your poetry? What, or is there some, like, politics you're experiencing right now that you're like, you wish people could be more compassionate about or something? I think I'm, when it comes to what I want people to be compassionate about, I think, uh, I think a lot about... Uh, <laughs> this uh trans pride flag i have on my right shoulder um i've 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 had to deal with a lot of uh harassment and threats and bodily harm and bodily threats and you know like i I don't want to get into it too much that's what some of the poems are about (laughs) um uh and it's literally just because people have this perception of reality that I'm somehow harmful to their existence. Really? Because I'm different, you know? Um, Separate from gender, uh, like, growing up Middle Eastern, uh, shortly, (laughs) I I grew up a little bit after Mm 9-11. I was born in 2000, so I was was growing up with that in people's brains, and... um, 9-11 9-11 definitely melted a lot of people's brains. It made them terrified of their own shadows and anyone <laughs> darker than these uh, beige walls. Uh, so I had to deal with a lot of people's melted realities, making them look at my skin and identify me as a threat. Just because of 9-11. Like, I had nothing to do with that. But I had to grow up dealing with people's fear of brown people because of it. Wow. So you were experiencing some kind of definitely racism and that transphobia. Yeah. And how did you handle it? How did you cope with it? I mostly repressed things. Really? Yeah. Um, like with regards to... I obviously have faced bigotry in a lot of forms um, (laughs) for a lot of what I am, but a lot of my response growing up was to repress things, just keep it inside. Um, If exposing this makes people mad at me, then I'll hide it. I'll keep it inside, Um, which is why I didn't come out as a, and as a, (laughs) as a non-binary woman uh, till I was 18. No, even then I wasn't out. Um, Oh, I only came out when I was like 20. Really? <laughs> no, no, no. Wait. Irrelevant. 
I, I fell way off track there. No, go on, no. Um, it took me a long time to come out um, because so many of those thoughts that like told me, oh, obviously you're not a cis guy. Obviously you're not um, masculine. Like the ways that this gender role is set up, you don't fit into. Um, and I just really didn't fit in, uh, but I repressed all those, all those warning signs, I guess we can say everything that would have told me that, Hey, just, just be queer. Just, just, just be whatever you need to be. Just be a non-binary woman, whatever you need to call it. Uh, I repressed and I hid. And I wrote about privately to myself. I was going to say was (laughs) your poetry. What was it? What was it saying? You know, what were you writing down? And if you look back at it now, what were you getting? I've lost a lot of that poetry. Um, really? Yeah, I had it. I had it in like a the composition, like the black and white white composition oh, notebooks. Yeah. You know the type of me. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, I had I had like three of those growing up, and each of them are in a landfill somewhere right now i'm sure yeah like i've asked hey do you still have that like book i filled out when i was kidding no it got thrown away i'm like okay cool thanks mom (laughs) thanks for uh deleting my history um back then it was a lot more raw like i i did not like writing or reading growing up um so the fact that i was writing anyway (laughs) Yeah, it's probably a good thing, but uh, at the same time, everything I wrote was was just like nonsense, <laughs> uh, train of thought, feelings, and trying to make sense of things without admitting that they're real. <laughs> well, you said you know growing up you didn't like reading or writing. Mm-hmm. What was about poetry that was different? That's reading and writing. I didn't really call it poetry when I was a kid. I was oh, just like, really? yeah, I, I was just like writing things. I've only called started calling the things I'm writing poetry recently. Now that people are like, oh, I like that poem you read on the mic. I'm like, that was poetry. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I was just ranting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was just yelling. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know anyone was listening. <laughs> Yeah, that is how it felt for a while. I was like, I just wanna, I just wanna read these ideas into microphone and not worry about a grade or anything. I just want, I just want to put it out there, awesome. see what happens. And now you're sharing your poetry with people. People are liking it, and you're understanding yourself better. How does it help you understand the world around you? Because poetry and just creativeness in general expands our minds on life in general. If it's that within us or beyond us. Mm. So with you, how is the poetry like... Like how is sharing my poetry changed me? Yeah. I think um, I'm like... I'm like overconscious that I've been saying I think a lot. Don't worry. (laughs) Now we chilling. Okay. Uh, a lot of meaning in life we we like get from other people, you know. Like there there are people who are introverted and are fine being on their own and everything. But 
like like true meaning in the world usually comes from the ways that we interact with other people and they interact with us and we try to change them and they try to change us and they do by accident we do by accident um so i think by like keeping my most precious art to myself i was keeping it away from like any meaning that it could have by interacting with other people um so by sharing it and and hearing people say, oh, this impacted me this way, or like, oh, I never know you felt this way. Um, it's like getting extra eyes on a problem, you know, yeah. or extra eyes on like something that happened in your life. And someone can go, oh, hang on a minute. That was, that probably, that, that was, that probably traumatized you or something. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I know. It sounds like, kind of go back on your true art like your definition of it it sounds like the meaning behind a lot of it it's it's like it's shared you know what i mean yeah i think like making it and reading it to yourself and saying oh this means that but then sharing it with other mm -hmm. people having them get different perspectives on yeah it, that's and where the truth starts coming yeah out. if it's if it's if it's real art and they're processing it and because everyone's processes are different, everyone like thinks about art different. However, they process the raw material you give them, they're gonna come out with like a different interpretation, a different like end product. So do you think for you, like true art should even have be like like one face? Should it be like one sided? Should it be something that only has one message behind it? Right. So like you're writing a poem and it's just about this thing. And you just want people to think and get this from that. Do you think that's not true art? No, I, th I think that is real art. I feel like I've made art like that, shaped in such a way. I'd like try to shape it in such a way so that anyone who experiences or sees or, or smells it uh, comes out with this particular message. Oh, okay. But, but there's this um, concept called like the death of the author or the death of the artist. Like after you make something, you might as well be dead. Like it, it goes on without you. People will interpret it a billion different ways than you could have ever imagined. And there's nothing you can really do about that. So for you, it just sounds more like as long as you get something from that. That's yeah. The Okay. Yeah, and hopefully if I do my job well, like whatever message I wanted to be there, it's close. Whatever you get out of it is close to that message. Okay. So, yeah, because, you know, you were mentioning earlier with you're doing open mics and you want to start having commentary on stuff. And not enough people give me feedback. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. And, you know, there's always resources and stuff to give you the feedback you know yeah and i found a lot of like writers workshops and poetry opens where i can talk with other people who write and no and it's yeah. and it's cool because you want to do something more with your art you know it sounds like for a while kept it to yourself and then almost accidentally you started sharing it with people and people are like this is really good actually you know mm, yeah. and now you're almost asking yourself what more can I do with it? Yeah. This seems like something that can be effective. Exactly. So how can I use it for the things I believe in? Yeah. And, you know, following up on that, how do you want to make your art effective with others? How do you want 
to start changing commentary on certain things? I think I can only affect like the people I affect. So like anyone who hears my art, I want to be, I, I want to be able to like change in at least a little bit, you know, because okay. you can't, you can't force anyone to change. You can't make anyone change, especially like not through one poem, but if my poem about somebody harassing me on the bus changes your mind about whether or not gender is real by one degree, then that's good enough for me, you know? Eventually, eventually we'll turn the ship all the way around, but one degree at a time. Well, you that's know? how you keep dropping more poems. I just, yeah. <laughs> I To make it more effective, I just got to keep writing. Just keep dropping it. Yeah. yeah and that's wonderful. And... You know, for you, it's been a long journey for you with poetry. You've been doing it for a while now. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, I, I, I know people who have been doing it longer than I've been alive. It's so no it feels. But, you know, it, but, <laughs> it's been long relative to how long I've been alive. Exactly. Yeah. For and me. That's all that matters. And how's it changed you? Say again? How's it changed you? Has it changed me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I, um, I was definitely a lot more stage shy than when I realized I could say things that make people interested. Um, and that's just given me like a lot of confidence with anything I can express through poetry. Um, it's made me more like confident in the things that I believe and and my own identity and. Uh, by like exposing these parts of myself and checking them against like other people and seeing how they react to it. Like it tells me mm. more, it, it like affirms how real they are to me. Mm, um, okay. Cause if they're just bouncing around in your skull, so often you can just gaslight yourself. He's like, Oh, that's not real. Or that doesn't really matter. And if you show it to someone else and they're like, Oh my God, that's, I feel the same thing. That matters so much. This affects me. <laughs> and you're like, Okay, shit, it is real. Yeah. So now, what are you hoping to change? So many things. I want to change people's minds about so many things. But um, if I had to put it into like one sentence. Uh, Does I have to? But. <laughs> I, I, how many sentences do I get? What's my budget? No budget. <laughs> how much time we got? <laughs> we got lots of time. <laughs> okay, word. Um. I'll try. I'll, I'll 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 try to put it succinctly. I won't limit myself, but um, I I want people to consider anarchism. Okay. In a word, um, anarchism not like in the sense that like people are like, oh, this is anarchy. Everything's burning down. Everything's terrible. But like anarchism as in a horizontal way to order society, a non-hierarchical. Um, life is possible. Mm, okay, and <laughs> that might go beyond the scope the scope of a single podcast. But uh, we don't need any hierarchy. You know, we don't need bosses. We don't need politicians. We don't need mayors. We don't. We don't need anything other than each other. Um, so why are we organizing things? When all we need is just the people who are doing stuff for each other, mm, you know. I see, yeah. And and I, and I can argue about that for hours, but 
if the single degree is like, what about anarchism? What about a non-hierarchical society? What about horizontally organizing? What about improving community bonds instead of focusing on money or something? You know? Yeah. And why? Why does that mean a lot to you? I genuinely think that a society centered around community um, with care for ecology, with our place in the world, uh, based on mutual aid um, and taking care of each other and interdependence. I genuinely think that that is the way that humans are meant to live, that that is the most comfortable and the happiest that like everyone on earth can be. But I'm on Instagram at Emily Agir. Um, that's E-M-I-L-Y-A-J-I-R. Thanks for listening. Catch us again every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on The Rebel, 91.5 HD2. Star.